0: Shut
1: up and sit down. Hello strangers and welcome to the latest episode of Strangers in a Cinema. I'm one of your co-hosts Paul Anderson here today with not just Pete Wall but also grace williams who's been on the show before but the first time on a show with pete how are we both great man that wasn't awkward at all it was perfect um yeah do, do really
0: well <laughs> do really well although i said before we came on and i think this is um pertinent at this point that if my um, output on this episode seems a bit more aggressive than usual that is because i've been watching nothing but fight films for an entire week in preparation for today's show um grace i hope you're coming into this with a bit more uh, serenity than me how
1: are you feeling
2: I'm feeling great thank you so much I think maybe the fight films that I've been watching have ended in peace and love so maybe that goes well super angry
1: good. I mean feel free to like feel free to belt him at any point if you want to like oh, over yeah. over I mean slap slap the the webcam that we can see him on yeah. and by all means do it because it sounds like Pete you've got a big well b- I, a b- I, b- I think Paul to
0: be honest I'm such a contrarian <laughs> on this show sometimes that I'll probably get some sort of uh beat down by one or both of you at some stage during the show anyway but that's just fine because if it all ends in peace and love we're good um apart from like our individual preps for the episode which we'll get into in a second uh have you been up to anything interesting you guys
1: leading into this here show uh grace come on
2: yeah i well um my my film won some awards which is quite nice at some um film festivals internationally so um i found out today that um my film Easy Meets won semi-finalists in the Nazareth Film Festival in Israel. That's incredible. <laughs> didn't you go? Why and didn't you go? They haven't invited me. <laughs> um, and then it, I won um, Best Female Filmmaker for the in- Independent International Film Awards, which is in um, uh, Indiana. Yeah, so that, that well, well was done. nice. That was cool. Yeah.
0: Incredible achievements in this uh, in this festive period. Christmas has come early, I guess. Well, it's more than yeah. i That's certainly more than I've achieved in the last week, Pete. I don't know about you, but <laughs> oh, don't put yourself down, mate. I've seen that you've got a couple of small pieces of uh, film memorabilia in the went last to few the, days. So that's above
1: Christmas markets, and there was a guy making like some handmade kind of three D Millennium Falcon model that he put in a frame. And charged us a fortune for. But my wife was feeling generous. So I now have a a little paper-crafted Millennium Falcon in a frame that's going to go on the wall. So, yeah, I feel like I've achieved a lot. I got a gift out for my wife. Nice. It's not its not directly a bit of film
0: memorabilia, but Paul, um, and maybe Grace as well, I think you'll appreciate why this connects with our show. I got delivery from Amazon, um, other distributors of goods on a massive scale are available, um, of a record today, and the record is the album Medusa from Annie Lennox. And it might seem a bit weird that leading up to Christmas, I've bought myself an Annie Lennox album. Uh, I'm not even like a huge fan, but... It opens with that track, No More I Love Yous, which just breaks my heart every time because of the movie Blue Jay that we went for and talked about on this show as well with Mark Duplass and and Sarah Paulson. So yeah, I think if you see that movie, you can never listen to that song in the same way again. Grace, have you seen Blue Jay? I haven't,
2: no. No. Um, you should.
1: It's, it's but wonderful. I did hear that
2: Annie Lennox guided Santa's sleigh in the '80s with her head.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: you <laughs> remember, like, because she had that bright red hair.
1: Did she really? Is this no, right? No, I was
2: just trying to find like a tie-in for Chris I That's quite, liked, I liked it. To be
1: honest, was I was, bit, I was hoping. Like, convinced see, you. I have to say, I, see, I was, in, I was impressed with the tie-in, but I think there needs to be more weight to that story. Um, so the gag's a good one, but I think, I think you should have gone in with like, no, this happened. This is the date it happened. and This is how it happened. Just, okay. I'd elaborate more. It I was think.
2: Scotland. It was no.
1: <laughs> there we go. There we go.
0: Coming on to a, an episode near Christmas, having just won a film award from Nazareth, is probably like <laughs> enough of a Christmas story that anything or a, an anecdote to bring to the show. So yeah, you've started off. On it was the right. amazing. But, um, should we get to doing the actual podcast that we're here for? Probably should. To be honest, probably should.
1: What have we got coming up this week, Pete? What have we got coming up on this episode? Yeah, coming
0: up on today's show, as we always do, we have three acts. Those acts this week will be Act One, a look ahead to the Sundance Film Festival, which takes place at the beginning of next year, 2019. We're going to pick out a few films that we think sound interesting. More I'm so, I'm going to pick them out, and I'm going to throw them at the other two uh, over there, the other side of this uh, internet connection, and see what they think about them. Then we'll get into Act Two, which is our big feature review. This time we've gone for Creed 2.
1: Um, um, quite. <laughs> i'll stop now but i'm quite excited for creed 2 Can't yeah we, c- we could just get jack to put in actual jingles no, i guess no, um no.
0: yeah so so we'll do a feature review of creed 2 and then we'll jump straight from that into our top five that we've got to doing as a as a habit on this show now and this time we're going for top five combat sports movies this is one that I'm really excited about. I get quite excited about all of the top fives, to be fair. But this one in particular, given my propensity for trying to shoehorn references in, uh, to MMA into our show. So, yeah, looking forward to that. But before all of that, at this time in the show, we always do a little bit that we call What Have You Been Watching?
1: You guys, what have you been watching? Grace, if you've won a film award this for this week, you go first. <laughs> like you've, you've outdone all of us this week with what we've done. So you go um, first.
2: Okay. Um. So... I watched a film called Modern Life is Rubbish, which... Was it rubbish? It was so rubbish. <laughs> so the, the film title is a Blur Song, and I thought, oh, this is going to give it a bit of, you know, oomph. this is going to be a bit get a bit of credibility. And then, like, the whole thing had not a single Blur song in it, and it was about these, like, hipsters who fall in love in London, and they just, they're like, oh, oh, do you like Blur? Yeah, I, I like Blur too. Let's not mention it again, and we'll go live in our trendy house. <laughs> And then, oh, oh, you're a musician. You're such a wanker. Oh, you're
1: this so sounds, like, your this sounds to me like the Louis Theory documentary about polyamory. <laughs> <laughs> I have
2: seen that yeah and like it was and they're like oh do you like the black keys oh yeah i like the black keys too and then they are shoving a radiohead song and like, it was just such, such it was written by somebody who wrote the script for Eastenders standards at one point i think is it supposed to
1: be a documentary then or what's no, what's the a what's the premise so. okay so,
2: posh girl falls in love with london boy because they both like music and then they go and live together he wants to he's doing a band thing but by the end of the film, like he's only just done like one demo and it's like a 10 year span. So I don't really understand what he's been doing. And then the girls like wants to be a, a record cover artist, but ends up getting into advertising or something. So they're both like torn because she's given up on her dream, but he hasn't. And it was just so bad. And yeah,
0: it's uh It sounds an awful lot like that Michael Winterbottom film Nine Songs, but maybe maybe with less unsimulated ejaculation. I don't know. Yeah, Nine Songs that was that was full of itself, wasn't it?
2: I just don't understand, (laughs) why like like, you 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 name a film after such a famous album and then not even have a single song from it, not a single. So where did
1: you see this? Is this? Um,
2: I had a subscription to Now TV, and that's gone now.
1: Right, (laughs) because of this film. As a sterling recommendation there. Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I won't. <laughs> um, Paul, right. Paul, have you got anything uh, that you've seen this I've week? I've done my penance. I've done my penance. I've done okay. it. I did three hours, eight minutes of Turkish Art House this week, Pete. Three full hours and eight full minutes not, of Turkish not Art House. It's actually
0: a prerequisite of doing this show, that you, you submit yourself to three hours worth of Turkish no, Art but, House. No, maybe. but
1: I am right. Because when the inevitable episode of the year show rolls round. I want to be so well prepared for this because, as we've talked about many times, I now live in a town where I can see these films when they come out, I can see the art house stuff. So I don't want to walk into a top ten list and someone go, but what about this? You haven't seen your three hour, eight minutes of Turkish art house this year. Well, I have now, listeners. And this was The Wild Pear Tree, directed by Nuri Bilge Leylin, I think is their name is. Nailed it. uh, From the director of Winter Sleep, which I've never seen, but heard very good things about. Um, It is, it's a very long film. Uh, I will give it that. Um, It's incredibly well acted. It's very, very well written. Um, And it's essentially kind of, kind of like a cathartic study of a guy finishes university uh, having studied uh, i think creative writing um writes a book it doesn't do very well and then he's not really sure where to go with his life he's moved back to i think the west of turkey where everything's going on in the east and he's not sure whether he wants to teach in the east of turkey or not and he's really struggling so what a number of people of his age would do is struggling really what to do with his life when he comes back from university he ends up he ends up in military service, and it's about the relationship with him and and his family, really, and about the fact. And he does eventually write this book, and does it do very well, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's um the performances are nothing short of staggering. It's one of the most naturalistic films I think I, I've ever watched in terms of like an accurate portrayal of characters, and there are some stunning scenes in this. There's one particular conversation where he, uh, the the lead character, bumps into an author, a famous author talks to him in a bookshop and I think the conversation lasts about 20-25 minutes so we're very kind sort of sort of self-reflexive territory here for sure but the conversation is one of the one of the best written things I've seen this year I think it's it's a it's a really good film I don't think it quite justifies it being three hours eight minutes long I think for me you really need to have a lot to say in that time if you're going to run a film that long doesn't quite get there, but it's still a very good film. So if you've got three hours, eight minutes spare, put it to one side and watch it. But not not quite a classic for me.
2: Is it a Turkish delight?
1: Oh, and not far off. Not far <laughs> off, Grace, to be honest. And that was good. Thanks. That was good. I was waiting for a like really long time. Yeah. I didn't want to
2: interrupt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so talking of good, my next film is not that. It is uh, the movie Kickboxer Retaliation, which, of course, you know, Paul, what? is a follow-up to uh, Kickboxer Vengeance from about... 18 months ago. How has this ended up being bad, Pete? I don't, uh, I don't well, get... well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Paul, the reasons for this. I mean, there are things that I like about this movie, because what you've got is like a load of fan service for people who know about fight sports or like follow MMA. There's loads of MMA fighters who show up in it. And the main antagonist in the movie, or at least the, the final boss, which is what he effectively is here, is that guy Hapthor, who, you know, plays the the mountain in Game of Thrones, he's like six oh, foot yeah, ten yeah. or whatever giant guy. Yeah. Um, so you know that's fun. They drag out the final uh, fight to about twenty minutes, which I think is a bit um, indulgent. But yeah, like the problem with this reboot of the kickboxer uh, franchise—that's been that movie, this movie, and one more movie that I think's due out next year. Is that at the centre of it? There's this guy, uh, played by an actor called Alan Moosey, who effectively was a stunt guy who got to be uh, in front of the camera, uh, impressed enough in the work that he's done on like I think this, there's a Street Fighter series is involved in and this and the previous one. But the thing is, he's just he's just very bland. You know, a bit like um, Scott Eastwood, just just like bland in that way where there, there's. It's, you can't really hate the guy but you also don't care what happens to him and that's a problem yeah. because the whole movie follows him and his plight <laughs> he, he said he'd never go back to Thailand but this time he's been drugged Does he go back to Thailand? It, no Paul he's drugged and taken back to Thailand Okay. and then they say you're going to be killed unless you beat the mountain in which case you'll win a million dollars or something none of it matters uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's blind because I guess he needed something to keep him interested uh, he talks a lot <laughs> about you got to feel the wind before the punch he has actually gone blind, blind. Like that.
1: That would be, or, or Chunker Van Am has actually gone blind from drinking too much cause Light I think that's what's happened that like. yeah or, or sort of jerking himself off with his own prowess
0: <laughs> I don't know yeah it's it's not very good but if you like sort of MMA and stuff it is stupid enough at times and drops in enough sort of Frankie Eggers and uh, and the likes to, to keep you interested but yeah so if you've had uh, a
1: couple of pints at the pub and then come home and watch this you oh you'll have a good time
0: man. you'll have a, a yeah. perfectly good okay. time if that's your kind of thing uh, Grace have you seen anything that was Better than the loose tie-in to the band Blur.
2: Um, yeah, I watched My Blind Brother. Have you seen this? Jean
1: Claude Van Damme is it, a blind man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a good tie-in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No,
2: it's um, it hasn't got Jean Claude. No,
1: I haven't seen Van this film.
2: There. Yeah, it's got, um, got uh, Adam Scott, Nick Kroll, and Jenny Slate, and I. And they're all people all I like. Yep. Yeah, and it's about um, Nick Kroll is um, brothers with Adam Scott. Forgive me, I've forgotten the characters' names. But, yeah um, i was gonna give them names then and um yeah adam scott is blind and like the whole community loves him because he keeps doing all these like sponsored runs and sponsored swims and things but nick kroll's character is his brother and he's always there like has to train with him because he's blind so he's got to keep him going and then they end both end up kind of dating the same girl and adam scott's like a complete dick and he's so good at playing a dick he's so good at being like this really Mm. irritating oh you're you're, like you're such a you're so irritating and awkward and such a loser um but yeah no that was it was just a really well acted really well directed film and because I've been watching like binge watching big mouth loads it's it's cool to see Nick Kroll like doing something a bit more serious than um yeah teenagers (laughs) Have,
0: have either of you guys seen that Adam Scott movie The Vicious Kind no. Because no. I try and recommend it to people just because I think it's one of those that just flew under the radar for whatever reason. It's from about 2009. But the reason it's interesting is because Adam Scott, like you were saying, pl- pl- he's really good at playing a dick. And in that yeah. movie, he's instead of ever playing a dick for like laughs, it's just, hor- he's like a horribly depressed, embittered, like 30-something man. And mm. he's really good at doing that. So yeah, mm. check it out if you get the chance. Paul, what about you? What what followed up the three-hour epic? Uh, Disobedience from
1: Sebastian Lelio. Oh, this
0: is the Fantastic Woman director.
1: Right? Yes, which you yeah. didn't go much on and I haven't seen Fantastic Woman. I had problems Woman, so... with it, yeah, but yeah, it, I it, haven't everyone seen... liked yeah. it. Really. Uh, so it's Disobedience starring uh, Rachel McAdams, Rachel Weisz and... Um... Nivello, someone Novello, Casta Troy from Face Off, who is the highlight of this film without a shadow of a doubt. Alessandro Novello, I think is that. I think I've ruined his name to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, so this is based around um, the character played by Rachel Weiss, who, on on hearing the news of the death of her father, who's like a giant of the Orthodox Jewish Church, um, returns home um, to find herself not being particularly welcomed by the Orthodox Jewish community, despite the fact that this guy was her father, um, because. Rachel McAdams' character is now is now married to um, kind of this guy's heir, heir incumbent, essentially. Um, And Rachel McAdams and she Rachel Vice's character has had a had was kind of left the community because she had the I think they've they've kissed or something like that. There was some kind of lesbian tendencies between her and the Rachel McAdams character, who is now happily supposed to be happily married in Orthodox Jewish community and, and living there. The, the pure Jewish life as it was and Rachel Weisz's character comes back and uh, upsets the apple cart shall we say um, yeah performance wise this film is something else like I mean Rachel Weisz this year I mean I've been lucky enough to see The Favourite already um, and Rachel Weiss this year has come into her own like this is a very different performance to the performance in The Favourite but is incredible Rachel Adams is an actress I've always quite rated but I don't think has ever quite had the right material to shine to her full capacity uh, and she absolutely does so here um and yeah the the pair of them are superb i don't know about the film as a whole though like it's 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 well enough made it's it's well enough shot but there's just something about it i couldn't quite i don't know i mean i've read i've read reviews someone in the garden reviewed it. So it was like maybe it's it's too drab to be entertaining and i think perhaps that is what we're onto here there's, there's not it's so miserable at times and I kind of understand why it is because it's not a happy subject matter and it's an eye opener if you're not familiar with how sort of Jewish orthodoxy works and it is an eye opener and apparently it's very accurate in that regard but something about this just, just didn't quite click for me it's, it's a good film but it's not a great one I was expecting a bit more from it and I think maybe it's because it's so miserable the entire way through that you need, you need a bit of levity to stay in this material I think um, I would say that the closest thing I compare it to was, would be Apostasy, which is the film I talked about earlier in the year about the um, about the Jehovah's Witnesses. But Apostasy, I would say, is, is definitely the better film. And that didn't have a lot of levity in it, but that seemed more effective to me. So, yeah, I can't quite... And we've said this before, I can't quite place my finger... On what I didn't like about Disobedience, I'm due to write a review for it this week, actually, for for, uh, for uh, uh, an online publication, shall we say? And I, I'm still not entirely sure what I'm going to say on it, but something doesn't quite click. Performance is incredible. Something doesn't doesn't quite click, but. Yeah, I'd be interested to see your thoughts if you watch it. This but. is
0: a, a Curzon release, right? Did you get this yes. on the home cinema, or did you get uh, to see it in a, on a big it, screen?
1: It was at the cinema, but I watched it on on Curzon on demand because it was cheaper to do it that way. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. At this time of year, that's probably a, a smart move. Yeah, as was the Wild Pear Tree. The Wild Pear Tree is also on Curzon, by the way.
0: It, it feels very strange for me, Paul, to go from this uh, this movie, Disobedience, into uh, my next one. But um, there's 20- a fighting in it. From yes, there is. Of course, there is. This week, uh, from 2015, I watched a documentary called dog fight not dog fight paul dog fight it's spelled d-a-w-g um so i think i've done it justice yeah this um do you know i think paul of the character real life man uh kimbo slice yes so kimbo slice kimbo slice is this guy who sadly passed away a couple of years ago um he made his name as a sort of backyard
1: brawler isn't that massive that massive hunk of man from black panther playing kimbo slice in a film
0: That's correct, yeah. There
1: is going to be a a dramatised version of his life. Um, So, yeah, anyway, uh,
0: Kimbo Slice, before his um, untimely demise, had a fight which went down as probably the worst televised Fight main event fight in, in possibly MMA history against uh, another man called Dada 5000. That's his moniker, anyway. Dada 5000, another guy who came up on the Dade County, Miami backyard brawling scene. And this thing, Dog Fight, is uh, basically like a piece of propaganda that's been created by the people around uh, Dada 5000, real name Daphir Harris, to um, t- tell this kind of Robin Hood story about how that he's come up and he's made backyard brawling uh it's popular in his area and he's put on these events but he's effectively doing it to give the young men there uh, a better direction in life and hope and the possibility of earning money all of that seems very virtuous until you realize that a lot of these guys come out of fights with terrible injuries for which they have no medical insurance, they get no support, and the pay structure that he has, oftentimes it reveals, In if you pay attention in this movie, sometimes fighters are being paid zero dollars for losing a fight. So it's like win or nothing. It sounds a bit but like the
1: Christmas special from last year of our podcast, Pete. I'm not but,
0: Maybe, maybe <laughs> so. But yeah, they they basically come out like net down on what they went in. They, you know, they minus wow. teeth or brain cells or whatever. Uh, yeah, a couple of guys in this as well. It takes a couple of twists and turns and a couple of guys. Die um, as not a direct result of of the fighting, but sort of it feels somewhat connected. Um, And then the movie takes a turn about two thirds through where it abandons the idea that it's about the backyard scene anymore and it follows Dada 5000 trying to make his name in legit fighting. And the whole thing just feels a little bit um, rushed together, a bit amateurish and a bit lopsided in terms of representing what actually happened. Not least the fact that I believe the film was finished in like 2011. But, but has a release date of 2015 and went onto the Netflix platform in like 2017, 18. Right. So you're actually seeing events from a long time ago told as if they're fairly current. It's all a bit of a mess. Uh, that one's dogfight. I mean, I guess it's interesting to know how uh, like social economic deprivation interacts with this kind of um, lust for a bit of uh, recognition within the community. And there's like this sort of greek chorus of women who are commentating a really good value like they're commentating on what's happening between some of the fighters and that stuff is uh, like i say like good value and interesting but overall it's it's a bit of a mess um i think this curiosity again if you're interested in fight sports i suppose um grace anything else that's completely unlike that um
2: (laughs) mm. well um i saw exposed which is on um, Amazon Prime uh, with Keanu Reeves. Have you cancelled
1: Amazon Prime as a result of this in the same way you cancelled Now TV for the last film? Or was this better?
2: (laughs) I'm waiting for American Gods Season 2 and I've just started watching Stevie Hollow, so I'm going to keep it for that. Um, But yeah, no, it's um, got Keanu Reeves and... um, um, I've forgotten the actress's name. Her first name is Anna, and she's in uh, Knock Knock, which is one of my favourite movies, and Bla- um, Blade Runner 2049. Anna uh, de Armas? That's it, yes. Oh, Thank that woman. Thank you so much. She's so I mean, lovely. I love you, wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's... um. It's a it's a good film, but basically the director disowned it because he wanted to make this kind of Pan's Labyrinth esque surreal film about um, child abuse, and it was supposed to be and it was like a bilingual film, and then Lionsgate basically said to him, "Now nah, it's got to be a Keanu Reeves cop, cop thriller." So the whole film got re-edited. So it's basically like this really weird, weirdly edited film where Keanu Reeves gets like put to the foreground, pushed to the foreground for like no reason and the other girl's story is kind of it, it fits in and it's supposed to she's hers is supposed to be the main story and it's just like really weirdly edited and a really weird watch and it's not as bad as people but it's got like a eight percent rating of rotten tomatoes or something but well wow. so it, it, it wasn't it wasn't an awful film it could have been a really awesome film if people hadn't butchered it i guess so who knows but yeah the director's got like a different name in the credits and so that was that was an experience, and Keanu Reeves wasn't—he like he did his, you know, where he does his bad acting, but he's not funny. Yeah,
1: like mm. not, knock, knock, like not, Knock. knock. No. Also, another film in which Kate, he was in and with Anna Diarmas in
2: Free Pizza. Yeah, I, I loved that. Him, was quite a there? good impressions, be honest. Thanks, I, I, I yeah. love Keanu. Chocolate with sprinkles. Yeah, <laughs> monsters. Sad. I could go on, <laughs> but yeah, no, I did. I didn't laugh at Keanu Reeves's bad acting one bit in this movie, which okay. is quite sad.
0: They
1: usually do. Yeah, yeah, he's, a, he's an interesting the,
0: performer. Isn't there that other movie that's called, I want to say, Accidental Love with Jake Gyllenhaal that's about uh, a woman getting a brain injury that then leads her to fall in love? It, it, it all sounds like really wrong headed, but then it's a. Uh, a really, really prominent director who has kind of washed his hands of it. I don't know. It just came to mind as another one of those. I think I started watching it as a sort of, um, you know, when you watch movies just as a sort of curiosity, like how bad could this thing have gone? But then sometimes when I get into that space, I just give up because it's like, oh, no, it is as bad as everyone says. And I don't know if I want to give it two hours uh, at this stage. But you start with this for the full runtime, I'm assuming, Grace.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because it wasn't like I mean, um, for example, I tried to watch Mortdecai once to see how far I could get into that. Oh, and I haven't got, even like, tried that. Minutes. That
1: looks that looks atrocious. Yeah. And
2: now we do like the Mortakai <laughs> challenge. Whereas right. with this, I was like, no, I'll watch it for the whole thing. So like, loads of people are saying, oh, it's so bad. It's just a bit of a weird, really weird edit, and makes it a completely different film. So, yeah, but it's it's worth seeing because if if anything, it's an example of what happens when. You know, same with um, Fan4Stick The studios get too involved with someone's creative vision, I guess, to mm. make the big bucks. But, you know. Mm.
0: Talking of creative vision, Paul, can you create any more reviews this week, or have you run run dry no, on, on things I've watched a lot this week.
1: See? I've watched a lot this week. I could go into a number of other world cinemas that I've watched this week, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go down with the fact that *Christmas Chronicles*. Kurt Russell is Santa. That's why I was excited about it. That's my review. <laughs> So Kurt Russell is Santa, we Kurt, Russell is Santa that that yeah. Kurt Russell is Santa Kurt um, Russell is Santa He's a weird a Kind of weird And in some ways Quite irritating Modern take on Santa Because he doesn't say Ho 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 He hasn't got a big belly on him uh, And he is wearing A kind of Like a, an off red Leather Leather Santa Claus jacket Now if all of that Sounds annoying It kind of is But at the same time Kurt Russell is clearly Having so much Fucking fun As Santa Claus that it's a delight. In parts, it's a delight to watch. The story I've forgotten. The other characters I've forgotten. Everything else about this I've forgotten, except for the fact that Kurt Russell is Santa. Does he shake well, his in... belly
2: like a bowl full of jelly? It doesn't
1: have a belly. <laughs> because oh, he, he, too... he he said he said oh well the camera puts on eighty pounds. Oh shut up. At on one Kurt point. Russell. Yeah, but well, Kurt this... Russell is Santa. Snake Pliskin is Santa Claus. Oh, this, there's a lot to like uh... about
0: that. Oh, okay. This movie also has a built-in sequel in 30 years' time when w- Wyatt Russell can play the exact same Santa role when they reboot the whole affair. So yeah. that's something to look yeah. forward to uh, later in life. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's
1: it's fine. For what it is, it's, it's fun. There's, I've seen worse Christmas movies. There's definitely better ones out there. It's fine. Kurt Russell, Santa Claus, and there's a very nice cameo. Uh, you might be able to guess, listeners, who might turn up in a cameo as Mrs. Claus at the end. But I won't spoil it, but it's quite sweet.
0: Well, on that cliffhanger, um, I noticed that we're about 25 minutes into the show and we haven't reached Act 1 yet. So shall we take a little break and come back with that? What do you think? Uh, Yes. Cool. In that case, we'll be back right after this little break with Act 1 in which we're going to preview some of the exciting things that are happening at Sundance that none of us are going to after this.
1: Welcome back. So we have had in the break we had a brief discussion about what to call this section about the Sundance Film Festival, and we came up with some options. But we've come up with, I say we've come up with, and I'm going to say I've come. I know Pete came up with. I'm not going to take the credit for it. Don't so oversell it. mate. It's not even that good. good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Pete's going to throw us some Pete's going to throw us some of some of the announced 112 film lineup for Sundance 2019, uh, and then my so me, me and Grace are going to take it turns to say either I'm in which is we like it or in the bin is that we don't like it mm-hmm. so this, this is a bit is of a game gonna, I think this, is, a, this probably is just gonna catch so hard online this yeah. is
0: gonna be a, like a meme thing this is gonna be like a youth culture thing massive. i mean we're massive. hitting all
1: the demos paul right pete so great, you're a part of history now you're a part yeah, of history in the making it. so pete what's the first one So round one of I'm in or
0: in the bin is this. (laughs) A documentary that we'll be screening at next year's Sundance Film Festival is called The Inventor, Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. This is the latest documentary from Alex Gibney that you'll know from like Going Clear, the Scientology movie and and reams of others. Uh, So in this one, I will give you a brief synopsis before you make your vital decision. Uh, With a magical new invention that promised to revolutionise blood testing, Elizabeth Holmes became the world's youngest, self-made billionaire, heralded as the next Steve Jobs. Then, overnight, her $10 billion company dissolved. The rise and fall of Theranos is a window into the psychology of fraud. It's the world premiere at some... Theranos? Theranos
1: the villain in Avengers 4, or whatever it's called. (laughs) That is
0: incorrect, Paul. And we didn't ask you for that information. I asked you for this information, which is, I'm in, or in the bin.
1: Grace, you want
2: to go first? Um, I mean, you
0: can give background about your reason for that decision as well, of course.
2: I'm gonna say in the bin because Going Clear was a documentary where, like, they just didn't get like they they didn't tread any new ground, and all the participants that that all the interview subjects like they didn't really they they revealed stuff, but they didn't get anyone like main in it. So I kind of feel like there's not gonna be any like definitive proof and they're not going to have any main people and it's going to be those people theorising with like a blank screen behind them and then lots of shots of Silicon Valley going look how lovely this place is you can't live here because you're poor kind of thing can,
0: can can we print the headline that you Grace have said that Alex Gibney is the new Nick Broomfield because <laughs> that's what I'm taking that's what I'm taking from that uh, so you're going in the bin Paul are you in the bin as well on this one are you you know what I way? am
1: because I'm pretty much with grace I thought going clear was fine but really lacked any kind of edge I was expecting something incredible from going clear um, and I think the difficulty with Going Clear and the same thing, the difficulty with Louis Theroux's Scientology documentary was the fact that actually you don't get enough access to Scientology to actually be able to make a decent documentary about it. What Going Clear was, was just give you a load of summaries from Scientology textbooks. So yeah, I'm is. going within the bin because I wasn't that impressed with Going Clear either.
0: Okay, so double in the bins for that one. Yeah. We'll get ourselves straight to round two. In ding, ding. Uh, for round two we're taking a, a bit of a turn we've got a film called hey, i'm, the I'm Sun- enjoying this game i have to say this it's is quite this good, is good isn't it yeah, it's all yeah, this right. is fun people said it would never work look at us now uh it is <laughs> number two the sunlit night this is a german slash norwegian production from director david nent <laughs> right uh, now hold on before you throw this one in the bin as well hold on So, here we go. Between New York City and the far north of Norway, an American painter and a Russian émigré find each other in the Arctic Circle. Okay, just bear with me. Together, (laughs) under a sun that never sets, they discover a future and family that they didn't know they had. Now, before it's in the bin, we've got here an actress that I think, not going to try and prejudice this thing, but I think is going from strength to strength, Jenny Slate. Right. We've also got uh, Zach Galifianakis. We've got... uh, Agent Scully, Gillian Anderson, um, amongst a, a number of others. So does any of that sound like something that you might keep out of the bin, Grace? Or is that going straight in the bin? Do
2: you know what? You told me Jenny Slate. You told me Gillian. You told me New York. I'm sold. Nice. <laughs> so You're straight, in. I'm, yeah, yeah. But maybe, like, yeah, the title's a bit a bit off. <laughs> <I don't> not <know. laughs>
1: the, the Sunlit Night. It sounds, it's quite, not, it it sounds quite a lot like a sequel to uh insomnia i'm not gonna lie what's that vampire <laughs> but... movie as well night
2: watch and day watch
1: yeah night watch yeah. day watch the sunlit night yeah. i'm not buying that it. it sounds like a sequel to that in the slightest to be honest it's not it's rushing for a start uh i'm in so you're both in case anyone cares i'm in for that <laughs> in on that one yeah the title is shit but
0: i'm quite looking forward to the film <laughs> it's taking an uptick so that's going to bring us straight to round three for round three, or film three, we've got a film called, not Mustang, Paul, because that's a film that we've already talked about and liked very much, but this one, uh, rather, rather originally, is called The Mustang. Uh, this is from director Laure de clermont tournaire if I've done any justice in the to bin. the name. Uh, this one, hold on, <laughs> hold on, that's not how this game works, sir. Uh, while participating in a rehabilitation programme training wild Mustangs, a convict at first struggles to connect with the horses and his fellow inmates, but learns to confront his violent past as he th- soothes an especially feisty horse. Sounds a lot like Lean on Pete, doesn't it, Paul? Haven't seen that yet, And but it also,
1: does. And also sounds quite like, like The Rider as well, so... Yeah. Okay, but hold on, Paul, because you're going to feel very
0: silly when I tell you the first male member of the cast here. He's a dreamboat, Paul. He's got incredible cheekbones, Paul. I'm Is not Matthew's- in this film. I'm not in this it's- film it's matthias schernatz paul oh. uh, so we've got matthias Schoenarts, we've got connie britton that you'll know from Radiator. american horror story and uh, oh, no, also not from that that's connie nelson i'm completely wrong yes it is uh, and yeah if you if you stop interrupting me paul we're going to get some accurate information out about this film uh, yeah, Connie Britton, by the way, also in that thing, thing uh, Dirty John, that's been adapted from the podcast into the TV series that is available now. Uh, also, Bruce Dern, Laura Dern's uh, lovely dad. And um, yeah, oh, in Gideon Adlin, uh, Pamela Adlin's daughter, who I was really high on in that one movie about young people growing up, if you remember, Paul. And I can't remember the name of it. That's why my description is so vague.
2: Is this film,
0: The Mustang, something that you're into or that goes straight in the bin, Grace?
2: Straight in the bin. I'm not watching it. <laughs> it's got horses put your foot down
0: put your foot down <laughs> not into movies where <laughs> if you're soothing horses i'm out i can't deal out. with
2: horse films sorry i not, not a deal. fan
0: of uh war horse and the bit where he's all blind and he says joey joey not not into that no can't
2: deal with it
0: seabiscuit no Nah, no.
2: black beauty no secretariat no no um I mean, bojack horseman maybe i've i've got a fear of horses this might not help <laughs> probably not no if it's like a devil horse like sleepy hollow or something like fine you mm. know I'm, I'm I'm on board if it's a devil creature horses in horror brilliant but a horse best man's yeah, best friend of like a young kid or something or use an experiment whatever no no thanks so fr-
1: from grace that is the mustang <laughs> equinot, in the bin not, did you say <laughs> did you just know. say equinot? <laughs> You said Equinot and then kind of embarrassingly looked down in the, in the, in the hope that was, no one heard you I say guess, it. Like, There's a microphone here. It definitely fell out. I'm an I like, is that I like Equinox <laughs> equine
2: sandwich. Paul,
0: before we pull this completely apart, uh, no, you the had Mustang me at, for you. You had me at Bruce Stern. I'm in. Mean. <laughs> nice. I had myself at Matthias Schoenatz, so I don't really care what the film's about. Uh, okay, next one. Uh, this one is called Paradise Hills. It's a Spain slash USA production from a director called Alice Waddington that I don't know a great deal about, and a writer that I know maybe a little bit more about, which is Nacho Vigalondo, that you're yes.
1: a bigger fan
0: than Ooh. me, uh, Paul, but, I mean, but like we've talked I mean, about on this. I mean. Um, Shall I tell you a bit about it? So this is uh, about a young woman who is sent to Paradise Hills, uh, some kind of community resort to be reformed, only to learn that the high class facility's beautiful facade hides a sinister secret This one stars uh, Emma Roberts and uh, everybody's like trendiest favourite new actress, I guess, Aquafina. Uh, Also, Isa Gonzalez, Mila Jovovich is in this. Um, Yeah, a lot of people. It's on this list for a reason. But is it in the bin? Or is it something that you're into, either of you guys? Grace, what do you think?
2: I'm in. I'm in. That sounds intriguing. That sounds like the direct... It it, it sounds like a simple enough premise where... A new director could come in and like completely blow us all away with something really creepy and off the wall and new. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued. I'm in. I'll buy that for a dollar.
1: That's it. Nice. In from Grace. Paul, what about you? <laughs> you had me at Nacho Vigalondo. To be honest, I loved. I I love him. I think he's great. Um. Yeah, I'm in. Hundred percent into that one. Anything that anything that he goes near, I will watch. So yeah. Check him out. I doubt. Seen so he's directed. I'm gonna <laughs> time crimes. Uh, in really, Col- really Coloss- colossal, okay. colossal? Oh, in colossal. Yeah, yeah, and then he life. did. He did one of the best. He's done one of the best segments of the VHS like horror anthology things. He oh did the one with like gosh. the time machine in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. as well. I'm yeah, totally know. Yeah. Guy. So yeah, and Time Crimes. If you haven't Time seen Crimes time is crimes, fantastic. If you haven't seen Time Crimes, it is cool. Absolutely cool. superb. And do you know what? Live on the show, listeners. Totally. I'm I'm lending Grace the Times Crimes <laughs> DVD live on the show. I pulled it from the shelf live on the show. There is Time Crimes for you to watch. It's superb. I'm sold. Yes, lovely stuff. This show
0: bringing people together. <laughs> Uh, So, we've got a couple more to knock out. We'll do them nice and quickly. The next one is called The Souvenir. This is a UK production from writer-director Joanna Hogg. Uh, And the synopsis for you, uh, friendly folks, is a quiet film student begins finding her voice as an artist while navigating a turbulent courtship with a charismatic but untrustworthy man. She defies her protective mother and concerned friends as she slips deeper and deeper into an intense, emotionally fraught relationship, which comes dangerously close to destroying her dreams. In this one, we have an actress that I would say is almost universally acclaimed, and that is Tilda Swinton, Um, also Richard Iowadi in this one, amongst other relatively big names. What are we thinking about the souvenir from Joanna Hogg, you guys? Where do I know Johanna Fog- Hogg from, Pete? Um, that is a name that. Uh, she, she's, I believe, Johanna Hogg comes from like an art background. She did a movie about four years ago called Exhibition, but okay. which I haven't caught up with yet. And I don't think, as a filmmaker, she's been hugely prolific, but is someone who's held in, in very high esteem. Um, and if I had more details, I would give them to you. I'm just looking uh, now. Grace, in the bin, are you in? What did you think from that little bit of, of detail?
2: I'm not like in the bin, but I'm not like. I'm in either because when you said Tilda Swinton and a uh, woman deals with a older relationship I kind of felt like oh I've kind of felt like I've seen this movie already but then it said Richard Ayoade's in it and I'm kind of like that's a weird little mm. element to throw in there What's this who doesn't thing?
1: love him after his HSBC advert
2: well I, I, I did he just...
1: <laughs> he did
2: did he so, yeah
1: oh, you know yeah. when sometimes you have so much respect for an actor or, 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 yeah. or celebrity and then suddenly you do an advert and you're like really
2: this, really Richard they? Yeah, they all do, person. don't they? Yeah. 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 Like The Double is one of my favourite movies of the last ten years. I think what, that when he directed. Yes. Did yeah. you See that? Did you see it? Yeah. You? Yes. You know. I like um, The Double. Yeah, and, and he's he makes me laugh so.
1: Well, I, Submarine was great.
0: Yeah. So,
2: so maybe I'm in.
0: So maybe in from Grace. What about you, Paul? In or bin? Uh, in. In or bin might just be a snappier name for this, right? In or bin. Just take out... Just cut off the fat. In or bin.
1: Well, it could be. It's just. It's almost as if we've just come up with this idea on the spot. Yeah.
0: There's some, most of the best ideas, they evolve from that kind of genesis, Paul. <laughs> uh, the last one I'm going to give you so that we can get out of this and do the feature review for this week is a film called Them That Follow. This is from director, screenwriters, Britt Poulton and Dan Madison-Savage. This one is also produced for what it's worth. uh, Hopefully, this doesn't color your opinion too much by uh, Gerard Butler, uh, amongst uh, some other uh, exact and and, and full producers. (laughs) But anyway, inside a snake handling church deep in Appalachia, a forbidden relationship forces a pastor's daughter to confront her community's deadly tradition. Now, You've gone straight in the bin pool. So that means you're out of this round, frozen you out. But I'm going to tell you that heading up the cast is Olivia Coleman. So you're going to feel like a little bit silly at this point. We've also got Caitlin Dever, who I think was, I'm pretty sure was in Detroit that we were talking about off mic there, Grace. Um, and apart from that, Jim Gaffigan, who's best known as a stand-up comedian who talks about food a lot, but is in everything at Sundance next year, uh, incidentally. And Walton Goggins, um, who I think we like quite a bit. So um, what do we think about Them That Follow?
2: I am in. Yes, please. That sounds delicious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let me in. Paul, I I was not serious. You're not actually frozen out of this round.
1: No, I'm still in the bin. I'm sorry. These people should know better than to work with a film produced by that prick. Like, he's rubbish. Yeah, but isn't He's rubbish. like, yeah, but, it's but, it's just, just, but it's just, it's almost like, it's almost justifying his career. Like, that he's But rubbish. surely it's
0: just going to be one of those where somebody who's got a name puts their exec, exec producer credit on a movie and it helps to get funding. Yeah, like, a, movie surely that, a movie that
1: he probably hasn't even is. read the script for or knows anything about. Someone's yeah, but just, if it His it, financial the movie advisor's made. probably gone, you should produce, sir. And he's gone, yeah, I'll just name, name that. No, I mean, the cast but, sounds mean, incredible. The cast sounds incredible. It's just, he is rubbish. Yeah, but I mean, in defence of that situation,
0: Gerard Butler, if this is the case, what we're talking about here, Gerard Butler could invest in anything with the money that he's accrued from a very successful career, and he's investing somewhat here in in filmmaking. No, the
1: person that Gerard Butler's employed to... To, to get him production credits as invested in an, in an artistic film. That's really, really what's happened here. With the cast involved, I'm in. Mean, it sounds great. Mark this part of the show, Butler Gate has kicked off. We'll <laughs> keep you up to date week Listen, on
0: week.
2: He was a good Phantom, all right? He was okay. He was was he? What, he what, what, and everything else. What's Phantom? Phantom of the Opera.
1: What was he in uh, Oh, I haven't, haven't seen, seen it. That Phantom of the Opera, no. Oh,
2: Okay. This will be a
0: this will be a one to circle back to
1: once we've caught up with Gerard Butler's full full output. I think bounty hunter though. He might kick me down a well if I'm lucky. If I just if I literally, he'll be like, right, you either spend you either spend ten minutes with me, I'll kick you down a well. I'll fucking kick me down a well. (laughs) I'm done with him. Um,
0: Paul, before any of the listeners to this take their mobile devices and kick them down a well, I think we should do, like, the meat of the uh, whole thing, which is going to be- Well, I-, I say the meat of the thing is going to be the feature review, Is actually going to be the top five as well, but after this little break, we're going to do a big old feature review of new boxing movie, Creed Two.
1: right after this. I can see Pete's face now. He's not enjoying that at all. Uh, that was my lead in. Yes, we are here with the feature review of Creed 2, which, if you can probably tell from the fact that I've done the Rocky Music twice in this episode, I was quite excited about. Pete, however, how excited I am, you are better at setting up films than I am. So set this one up for us.
0: Uh, I will I will attempt to do that. Yes, so this one follows up, of course, from Creed from just a couple of years ago with Michael B. Jordan in that central role. And uh, here, under the tutelage of your boy Rocky Balboa, who can't take his hat off, uh, the heavyweight contender Adonis Creed is going to face off in this one against the son of Drago. Uh, so this is Victor Drago, son of, of course, Ivan Drago from, I believe, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, Rocky Two.
1: Rocky Four. My Rocky God. 4. So wow. Rocky, I'm way right, off. I'll set right. Fuck you. I'll set this one up. <laughs> fuck right. you. I'll set this one up. Okay. Okay, Simon right. Mayo. <laughs> you really uh, you've changed. Says the man who definitely hasn't seen all the Rocky films. That's what I'm thinking there. So, in Rocky 4, Ivan Drago fights Apollo Creed, father of Adonis Creed. Uh it's supposed to be an exhibition match. It all gets a little bit serious and Ivan Drago played by Dolph Lundgren kills Carl Weathers Apollo Creed. who is was also he at this point Rocky's best friend. James Brown is in this. Um, Apollo Creed has the best entrance to, of anyone to any <laughs> scene in the whole world. The entrance uh, of Apollo Creed to Rocky IV. to so the fight with uh, Ivan Drago. Uh, in Creed, we follow Adonis Creed, who is the son of Apollo Creed, uh, who was killed by Ivan Drago. He uh, wins the spoilers, World Spoilers, by the way.
0: Spoilers, Paul, for the people who are only on Rocky One. This guy...
1: So well, that's only literally only you. Literally, there is no one else in the world. The, it's only the next Rocky two movies one. in the
0: series ruined.
1: They're no, going no, straight no, in. No, that they're bin. not. No, they're not because you've got you've, he's got to fight Apollo again, and he's got to fight Klavilanya. At some point, he boxes Mister T. So fair enough. Um, so yeah, yeah, Long story so, short, so y- you've this, got this some, history. This history. Like, there's this some is, father-son this history. Is like, this you've is got two fathers, like, two sons. The yeah. world's the world's longest boxing feud is right here. Is between this is also the world's longest.
0: A bit before we punch ourselves oh, I'm sorry, out. i sorry, you're not
1: as excited about it.
0: <laughs> it's nothing to do with excitement. It's to do with getting to talking about the actual movie. Yeah, before we exhaust ourselves with this bit of verbal sparring, here's a little clip. You
1: don't think I can beat him? Is that what you're trying no. to say?
0: No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm not going to be here forever. And what's that supposed to mean? It means you got to do some smart thinking. Oh, you want to talk about smart decisions, Rock? You in this house all alone. Who's been taking care of you? Me. I've been here for you.
2: Who else you got? Listen.
0: I'm taking this fight with or without you.
1: So, yeah, firstly, I just want to talk very briefly about Creed because I don't think it's a film we've ever talked about on the podcast. And it was uh, a sequel that I felt quite cynically about when, when it came out. I was just like, okay, well, we've had Rocky Balboa, which was decent but not great it was it was okay enough it was better than some of the rocky sequels in fairness and then uh and then you had ryan Kugler's creed which featured as we talked about michael b jordan as the son of apollo creed adonis creed and like creed for me honestly came out of nowhere like a left hook to the face and i was just like wow that was really really good and creed was quite something and I and also I think it was made all the better because I didn't expect it. I, I'm, I'm frustrated with myself. I didn't see it at the cinema. Grace, where do you where do you guys stand on Creed? Have you seen Creed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, before we totally disparage my knowledge of this
0: series, I have in fact <laughs> seen Creed and I've seen Rocky One. So right, you know. Okay. Watch yourself, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Paul. I mean, Ryan Coogler is this guy that we were already into. I think we talked about based off the the, the *Strength Street of Station*. Yeah. Station yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I think that obviously Coogler's not behind the camera on this one, and maybe we can talk about that a bit later on what impact that has. But I liked *Creed* uh, quite a bit. I was I was keen on this, um, and um, yeah, I, I feel mostly positive about it. But I'll get get into that, I guess, as, as we go along. Grace, what did you think of, of the first *Creed* movie, and then what were your expectations going into this? I guess.
2: Um, so I I really like the Rocky movies and I like how like they're serious but there's still a lightheartedness and there's like so many montages and I felt like Creed just <laughs> didn't have enough montage sequences and calling back to like other Rocky movies, which all the Rocky movies did. <laughs> um am I trolling this? Um no, I, I think <sighs> I think Michael B. Jordan. I, I call him Michael B. Boring because I just think he's quite a bland. Person. Michael B. Beautiful. He, Michael B. Beautiful, <laughs> but he he has got this. He has got like the Keanu factor where he's like really good at action, but unfortunately he's like not super. Like he's not bad. That he's funny. Like his acting isn't isn't amazing for me. But yeah, no. The cre- the Creed is okay, and I really like the um the fact that he's fight it. It the it it really. Encapsulates kind of the boxing world and the fact that his opponent is a, a Liverpudlian, and that that kind of sets up to be more realistic, uh, definitely. So it's not my, it's not in like my top three of the kind of Rocky expanded universe. Okay, I need to add yeah. to your listeners
1: that um, uh, Grace awesome. has come to the combat sports episode wearing an Ultimate Warrior t shirt, which I'm, I'm pretty proud of the fact, but I think she's going to need it because Creed it is better than all of the Rocky films. By a margin, what? it's better than the other Rocky films. What? Pete, you, are, are you Rocky still 1? reviewing? Are you still reviewing Creed One? Or we're going to Creed Two in a minute. we okay. yeah, We'll get back into Creed Two. Creed is better than the Rocky films. What Creed Two, though? Before we get to that. <laughs> Creed 2, yeah. So, I, I don't know, man. Like, Grace I from, sad at this moment. Picking up on, on what Grace was yeah. saying
0: about Michael B. Jordan, I basically would co-sign on the fact that Michael B. Jordan I think, like, d- doesn't seem like he's got loads of depth behind those gorgeous eyes. And, like, yes, he looks absolutely at, like, every inch the part in this thing, doesn't he? He's obviously, like, even from Creed 1, this guy spent, you know, eight days a week in the gym, it seems like, uh, getting ready for this thing. He also has the mannerisms down of a fighter. Like, this, the bit Gets their are shot in the ring he passes off very convincingly as a boxer who could hang and and presumably at this point he could at sort of an amateur level or, or whatever Um, Having said that, I think that the story here, like the story arc or the beginning of the story arc of his character is to me less interesting than the genesis of the Rocky character, Rocky Balboa in like Rocky 1, the one that I've seen. Um, So, so, yeah, there's something a little bit like passé about what's going on in his life, even though you've got this... Um, this whole father-son legacy thing. It never hit me in the way that I think it's intended to. And then you add to that the fact that he's got this really tender relationship with Bianca, his... Girlfriend played by Tessa Thompson, which is like so markedly different to the essentially a domestically abusive relationship that Rocky Balboa has with Adrian in Rocky One, the one that I've seen, that like I found that <laughs> Rocky to be the quite. One that I've seen. I like it. <laughs> I, I found that to be quite um, appealing. But then we have like this side plot about the birth of their child that is, again, like tender and heartfelt and should be moving, but he's weirdly disconnected from the rest of the story and never really goes anywhere, other than maybe to be some sort of cynical way of launching a future deaf female fighter in a future iter- iteration of the Rocky series, like 20 years in the future. I don't know. Uh, d- did those wow, things...
1: you've looked quite harshly on
0: that, I think. Well, um... d- yeah, but w- what was it there for? Like, it was there to develop the, the character and their relationship to some degree, but I felt like... Particularly the part about the potential birth defect of the child. Yeah, I, is think, like, I, I think on I, its own terms, I think, I it was moving.
1: You, but I see, I see where you're coming from with, with with that particular criticism of the film, and I'm kind of there with you. But I think it's it's very like this is this is very very and not to try and sound like a like an up himself prick in in the slightest, but this is very very mainstream cinema that we're looking at here, and I think actually. It might have been. It might seem to people who've seen lots of films. It might feel quite clumsy, and, and I think it does feel quite clumsy, and that's one of the film's weaknesses. But I think actually, it's done with the absolute best intention of of trying to normalise the fact that that. When Tessa Thompson's character in Creed is revealed to be deaf, like you, you, you kind of, you, you don't, they want you to not feel anything of it. And I think it's, I think, yeah, it's quite clumsily put in, but I think it's done with absolutely yeah, great intentions, well, uh, yeah, if t- that makes t-
0: sense. T- to be fair, Paul, I'm not talking about Tessa Thompson's character being deaf. I'm talking about the way that they posit the birth of the child as a sort of central emotional beat, which just seems kind of off to the side from, from what is the central thrust of the story. But I mean, that was just my take. Grace, did, did those things move you, upset you, make you feel anything in particular?
2: I mean, it, it was a kind of um necessity for for Adonis' kind of character arc, I guess, but I just felt like the whole second act of that film was so long and I and so boring. It was just like it was i it's it's almost like I, I wanted more of him in the ring rather than him sort of just at home moping about being like, Oh no, I lost this fight and I yeah, I I, I guess it it was it was a heartfelt they were heartfelt moments, but took away from what the the kind of Rocky and Creed films are about, which are essentially boxing.
1: They're it's not about boxing. They're about they're about Rocky taking like nine punches to the face every round and no, still standing up and surviving. If you watch Rocky, courage, if you watch Rocky Four, he never once puts his gloves up in the fight with Ivan Drago, <laughs> like at all. <laughs> like, well, well,
0: surely also, like, the Rocky... Again, I, I, full disclosure, have not watched the 400 Rocky sequels yet. <laughs> but to me, it seems like the Rocky character is also, like, this white male in America who doesn't quite know how he fits and yes. doesn't quite know how he's going to make a living and and be sort of proud of himself and, and that kind of thing. And, and I suppose that you've got this... Um, adonis creed character played by michael b jordan in this where there doesn't to me seem the same like anchoring in anything of the kind of current socioeconomic environment and it's like not like you need that for this to be a good movie because it's a boxing movie it's about a guy having a fight i guess but like most sports combat movies and stuff aren't really about the combat as much as they sometimes are about the things around the combat i would posit maybe you like this a lot, though, I think,
1: Paul. I did. I have to say, like, it, it's it, like, don't get me wrong, it, it sticks to a formula. It sticks to the formula that a lot of the Rocky films have, f- have followed. So you've got set up, you've got the first fight, uh, something doesn't quite go to plan, and then you have another fight, you have the rematch, and then, oh, hooray. Um, that's, that's not a spoiler. <laughs> Everyone knows how this is going to go from the trailer without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. But I just, for me, I'm sorry, I'm not buying into this Michael B. Jordan hate. I think he's great. I think he's, he's superb in this. And the, it's not hate to say that he doesn't well, have hate, that much depth. Not, not, so maybe hate's the wrong word, but I, I really like him in this. And I, I really like the chemistry he has with with, Tess, with the Tessa Thompson character. And I think that really adds adds a, a lot of heart to the film. And I think that, that carries it through some of the, yeah, occasionally clumsy scenes. But also, But at the same time, you're not going, you know... You're not go- you're going. In- you're still going into a rocky film, so you're not expecting the the best of the best of screenwriting or that kind of thing well the thing but, is
2: with Stallone it's like you can understand when you can't understand something when he says because part of his face is paralysed but Michael B. Jordan <laughs> is so mumbly it's really bad when you've got a conversation between um, Creed and Rocky Balboa and you can't understand what a word either of them are saying because they're so mumbly but by
0: the way <laughs> on that point I do I, maybe it's cheap but I do love the fact that his son is Milo Vermi- Vermicelli or whatever That's the hell the that guy's bit, called one of
2: the
1: uh, so the actor, I, like, I, I think you'd be surprised the, the actor of our generation
0: <laughs> yeah well, well because absolutely, that guy's the the guy that you best know best and
1: worst bit of heroes in equal measure
0: well the guy who talks out the side of his mouth as yeah. well though it's perfect yeah. it's absolutely perfect but yeah I mean I, I would say Paul because I'm not doing that thing well first of all you know just for the record Tessa Thompson does no wrong and is beyond reproach but then um, the, the bit that Correct. really struck me or the bits that really struck me as the the strongest suit of this particular movie and probably of the first one as well are the bits that take place in the ring because of I guess the stuff I've mentioned about uh, Michael B. Jordan's like physicality and ability and at least on that side of his his role and the final fight in this thing without saying you know anything spoilery about it I think as a piece of fight Choreography and the way that it's shot and the way that it's realised was a, a huge triumph, like a huge triumph. And you look at Rocky One, and I know we're talking about 1976 compared to 2018, but like the way that the fights in that film look compared with how far they've come now, well, in terms at, of
1: honestly, you, you need to see and you need to see the fights in Rocky Four because like Rocky Four might come up later on, maybe. Um, but the fights in that are just... I mean, they're highly entertainment. They're fucking nonsense in terms of boxing. Like, honestly, you're supposed to believe that Ivan Drago and Rocky have gone like 15 rounds where they just smack each other repeatedly in the face. And yeah, Rocky IV is a whole heap of fun. And it's probably it is my favourite Rocky film. Um, but it's shit. Um, but, that's an int- but that's is, an interesting thing, an The boxing is Paul. just nonsense. And what's nice about this is the fact that the boxing is, is as exciting as in Rocky IV, in my opinion but also quite accurate i mean for an entire fight in rocky 4 rocky never puts his gloves up once and he's supposed to be a world champion like what on earth <laughs> like but yeah. but the fight scenes here are great like i, I completely agree like the fight scenes incredible the training montage I disagree there wasn't enough montage in this. I think you can have too much montage in a film. Oh,
2: but it'd be so much but... better than the weird like this is where the fighters go. No. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, that, no. that bit, so in like, I that bit in
1: like I loved it. I genuinely loved it whatever.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. I genuinely oh, loved load that, of that bit. Mexicans in like drug territory <laughs> yeah. and they're just like beating the ground but with a hammer. But it's
1: silly. It's not spoke, it's rocky. i <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, have head- locked my earphone no, this, I'm getting so this, uh, oh, getting so animated. This is the But it's rocky. It's silly. Like I think I think what Creed does, what the Creed films have done well is balance the silliness of Rocky with a little bit of realism in the boxing scenes and made it better <laughs> right, for
2: me. more right. stupid from Rocky 4 where he's got them all in the wheelbarrow like doing that yeah. or with Michael B. Jordan with his head brace. <laughs>
0: but but here's here's the thing Paul about what you're saying and and it's not none of this is about like you've got the wrong opinion because I don't think my opinion and yours are actually that far apart on this movie but um the thing is you're saying about Rocky IV which obviously haven't seen uh is like loads of fun and silly and then you're you're sort of reacting to points by saying well it's rocky it's silly this is this is a film that takes itself very seriously creed and creed 2 take themselves very seriously i don't think there's a lot in this that is like quote unquote fun like there's really cool b- boxing sequences, but are there like daft Rocky things in here? Other yeah, than they are still n- fun. people like, beating the, the ground or, like or whatever? The,
1: like um, uh, Adonis Creed's entrance to the ring, um, not quite as spectacular as Apollo Creed's in Rocky Four, in fairness, okay. which is probably the greatest entrance to anything ever. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, this I think it's still fun to be over. It. It's still they're still cheesy sports movies. They're not they're mm. not meant to be sort of down down and dirty gritty films. Uh, in the slightest, I don't think. I mean, yeah. You don't take, think the, Ryan
0: Coogler thought he was making a down and dirty, gritty movie, or the, whoever the guy who's taken no, over here, which I should no, have to I no, no, I don't
1: think they were. I think they they still, yeah, they were making they were making a more grounded, they were making a film more akin to the original Rocky yeah. than the Rocky sequels, which do get, which I mean, like do get. Re- ridiculous like absolutely ridiculous they, yeah they were making a film more akin to rocky but at the same time they're still i don't think they would make it they won't make it they knew they don't think they're making raging bull when they make this without a shadow of a doubt
0: well like, and, and tying raging bull to rocky one they thought they'd tune down the domestic violence a little bit yeah. uh, from both of those <laughs> yes, movies yeah. maybe for, for this thing but um yeah no I I, I I feel you but grace final thoughts about creed 2
2: i'm more excited about seeing the drago movie to be honest now is this that- a thing? Well, it should be because I was really sold on their kind of father-son bond right. and at the end where when Bridget Nielsen walks out and it's just like, <laughs> oh, you're the worst mom in the world. Um, and then and how they, you know, reconnect as father and son. I'm like, yeah, move over Creed. Let's see this now move into like the Rocky universe and see the kind of Drago, how he takes on Russian boxing in the world. I, was, I, I really enjoyed their relationship. And I think I'm, you know... Um, Stallone was great in this movie and you know I I mean I don't hate Michael B. Jordan I just thought a lot of his scenes were kind of uh, quite elongated that's all but yeah not a bad movie but not the greatest. And the best thing about this movie is, when I went to see it in the cinema, there was this guy, and he got up in the middle of the film and started scratching his back really loudly against the wall. And it was quite a surreal experience. What?
1: That was the best thing about the film? Did he have a bat like Michael B. Jordan's back? If he had a bat like Michael B. Jordan's back, then I'll give you that.
2: There was a really boring (laughs) conversation bit in the movie, and this random guy just got up and he started scratching his back and doing a little dance. I was like, okay, that's, that's a very surreal experience cinemas are great (laughs) i
0: i I went the opposite of because it should be gritty for a movie like this i went the opposite of gritty and i went to the screening rooms and drank red wine through the the screening of creed 2 maybe that's affected my appreciation of it i don't know uh paul final
1: thoughts on creed 2 i love creed 2 um Weirdly enough, it was my second favourite combat sports movie that I saw on the same day, but we'll, we might get to that in a bit. But no, I loved Creed 2. I think it's it's formulaic, it works, I love Michael B. I think the, the chemistry between Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson make these films great, more so than Stallone mumbling his way through another sort of quite quite easy to phone in Rocky Performance. I'd love Michael B. Jordan. I I'd, I'd like this film a hell of a lot. It's, it's just a lot of, it's just pure Hollywood entertainment and I, I loved it. It's
2: great. It's great.
1: Adrian! <laughs> we don't need anything
0: further than that, really, for this review. Uh, so that was Creed 2. We will be back after a short break with our top five combat sports movies. After this.
1: Right, so returned we have with our top five combat sports movies as Pete just mentioned a few seconds ago. Uh, Grace, um, would you like to go first?
2: Yes, um, I just. What well, have you got at number I, I five? M- I must point out that I don't know if these are in a particular order because they keep changing. So it's quite. We find this, and
1: fairness, Pete. I think this is always quite a difficult thing with top fives. You kind yeah. of you make a list, and it's quite difficult to. Uh, quite difficult. Have we got any provisos this week, Pete? Or is it? Have we got anything? Are we sneaking any any left fielders in, or is it just? Um, uh, my one proviso do. is let's not do a long intro before we actually start doing the top five. Oh, I see what you've done <laughs> uh, now um, Grace any provisos? five
0: no no not at all <laughs> although I did want to say that I don't know about you guys but I decided to go only like uh, or non-documentaries I haven't included any fight documentaries no. just because I thought it was too much no, to no, like no. take in all of that no. but okay. apart from that no have at it what, what okay. have you got at number five Grace
2: I've got um, Shaolin Soccer oh Ooh,
0: I like that I like
1: that very much oh I felt cheated out of a choice Go I'm on. Sorry. Why have you got shown in soccer? No, in a good way. In a good way. Why because have you got shown in soccer? Because
2: it's hilarious and well choreographed, and I've seen it so many times because it got stuck in our DVD player. So <laughs> How
1: many times have you seen it? Cause it got stuck oh, no, I really watched play? it like three or four times. But yeah, okay. it
2: was. It's yeah, it's um, just the kind of. Do you know what? I haven't, I haven't <laughs> seen that
1: film. I haven't seen that film. That's not even a word. I haven't seen that film. <laughs> For far too long. Yeah, it's, I need oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it is great. And I love traveling soccer. It yeah. was a lot of fun. Wow, what a pick for number five. <laughs> I think we need to we need to wrap our game, Pete. Pete. What have you got a number five? Oh, well, talk about up in the game. This is a
0: movie that has almost no redeeming features, yet still is hugely enjoyable. Uh, number five for me is Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport from 1988. The reason for this pick <laughs> is, uh, this is a movie I've caught up with very recently, um, having had people in sort of, Fight circles talk about this being like the greatest fight movie of all time for for a long time, but the reason this is worthwhile and it's made number five is because um, well, it's ludicrous. It's supposed to tell the real life story of the uh, the guy Frank Dukes, not ducks Dukes, uh, as he ventures to Hong Kong for the Kumite, which is this tournament in which guys from all different martial arts disciplines are going to attempt to beat each other to actual and literal death. So a lot. Of the bouts end with a guy getting like his neck snapped, and then the the medic will come in and he'll check whether he's breathing and be like, no, he's dead, and then they'll just throw him to the side. Um, but <laughs> but aside from that, I guess it's also a bit of a personal pick, which sounds ridiculous for such a stupid movie as Bloodsport, but you fought to the death on so many occasions. Well,
1: no, 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 <laughs> because
0: five years, Paul, I believe, after this movie's release is when UFC one took place. Of course, right. heralded itself as human. Cock- fighting and you know horrible blood sport and all the rest of it and then you know that many years later i've over the last 10 years become a big fan of mma and the ufc and other organizations and stuff so to see this thing daft as it is is cool when you've got like oh we're gonna have a bout between a traditional Mu- muay thai yeah. kickboxer and a guy fighting monkey Foo, which is a real thing in this movie uh right. so yeah blood blood sport is kind of hilarious it's not good on like any sort of discernible level but it is uh, loads of fun put it on have a couple of beers and put it on and i don't usually say that about movies i think it's a stupid recommendation for the most part but <laughs> in this case it's absolutely uh the thing that you should do
1: what's the number five for you paul Uh, Foot Fist Way, directed by Jodie Hill from 2008, starring Oh, Oh, there we go, you've caught us out with the top five, Uh, that's good, that's good (laughs) starring Grace's favourite, because I know this from the episode We Together, uh, Danny McBride who plays a instructor? A kung yeah. F- yeah he plays a kung. It's fu like a karate. Yeah, yeah like... karate instructor, kung fu instructor. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just very, very, very funny. And Danny McBride, uh, probably for me, my, my my favorite Danny McBride performance. Yeah, it's like Kenny um, powers, And me? what's the whole thing in f- Fist Way that I really had on the tip of my tongue earlier? Um, something through I've lost it now. I've lost it now. There's yeah. Have you have you seen film.
0: Eastbound and Down, Paul? No.
1: I got told Grace told me off from this and then on the episode we run. So no, I should see East Band down. great. Foot First Way is great. Um humorous take on Danny McBride's um kung fu stroke karate instructor, um, and really, really skewers like combat sports and that kind of thing in a good way, without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah, Foot First Way is great. So that's my number five. Grace. Um
0: Oh, Pete. Sorry, I've reversed the order. I was just going to say uh, the bit where he tells the girl who's cheated on him that he wants her to wake up with like st- little threads of shit instead of hair is like a particularly good monologue. But anyway, never mind. Carry on. What's it at number four? My number
2: four is Bloodsport. Oh. oh. I've already said it, so but um, I will really, have well, you got anything to add well, why will, do you like Bloodsport well I just I will urge viewers to um, do a John claude Van Damme drinking game where every time he does the splits in that movie to have a shot
0: oh you are having that's all I have and, to add. and you know <laughs> you know Grace what you need to do occasionally all of us in life if you're ever feeling like you're losing your, your sort of spiritual or emotional centre right you need to go on to the edge of like a valley like a hillside alone yeah. that's important like that. and you need to do the splits whilst like centering your chakras or whatever yeah. because then you are be fine after
1: that well it's funny that you guys oh, it's you the peak next isn't it it's not me at number four it is i, actually, I had yeah. a, i had a link but no it's fine go for it uh okay we'll pick it up in
0: in a second so my number four is a film that again i've watched really recently because i tried to see as many as i could for this list this one is from 1939 and it's called golden boy do we know of this movie
1: No, Captain Hipster's back in the
0: room. Captain Hipster, Paul, (laughs) is uh, bringing the goods. So this is a movie that stars Barbara Stanwyck like five years before Double Indemnity. And what you get is her as the girlfriend of a boxing promoter who is working to promote uh, an up-and-coming fighter Played by William Holden in like, I think his first feature film wow, okay. role and a role that nobody was going to give him until Barbara Stanwyck convinced the studio that like this was the guy. Um, and he so that the central tension here is that he is a violinist who is like 21 years old, but has shown some talent in the ring. He's learned boxing in a couple of years, I guess, uh, around the city. And he wants to maybe see if he can make some money for himself and a better life for himself through boxing, where his father hilariously played by an actor who at the time was 27 uh, (laughs) to William Holden's 20 years of age, the seven-year gap. They put lots of, like, I don't know, bits of carpet and hair and stuff on his face. Uh, His dad is this guy who's, I think, an American actor, but he's playing, like, the probably most offensive uh, Italian caricature you could imagine. But his father wants him to stay... Stick to the violin because music is the way that we, you know, um, release our souls into the world, whereas boxing is horrible and violent and a road to nowhere. But you've got William Holden's character kind of caught between those two things. Fame on one side and on the other side, you know, maybe uh, something a bit more meaningful. And um, Barbara Stanwyck's role is to basically manipulate him, double indemnity style, into doing what she wants, or at least what her partner at the time wants. Uh, the two of them may or may not fall in love. That like parts of this movie are just straight terrible. But Barbara Stanwyck uh, in in this thing is like so luminous and uh, so like instantly watchable in almost all of the sequences in the movie that it, it's one that stood out as a thing that tells this like time-old honoured story of you know the conflict in the heart and mind of a boxer but does it at a time before this thing had become so cliche I guess so that's Golden Boy from 1939. Paul what's next for you?
1: Uh, you were talking earlier about someone who goes to uh, in, uh, into the wilderness uh, and trains and my number four is Rocky Four. Um, I don't much rate some of the Rocky films, I'll be entirely honest, and Rocky 4 is, quite frankly, a really, really poorly made film. It is terrible. 80% of the thing is montage, and 70% of that is montage shots from old films. But oh my god, is it a piece of 80s joy personified... I it's shit, but I love Rocky IV with all of my heart. I ju- it's just ridiculous. We talked earlier about some of the fight scenes. You've got an entire fifteen-round heavyweight boxing match with Ivan Drago, in which none of them, neither of the boxers, ever put their gloves up for the entire fight. It's ridiculous. You've got Apollo Creed's entrance to the Ivan Drago fight, which is one of my favourite ever cinematic moments, and occasionally. Me and my wife will just go, oh, what are we doing now? Should we watch the Apollo Queen entrance from Rocky Four? And we will just watch the Apollo Queen entrance from Rocky Four because it's so ridiculous. You've got James Brown singing a song. You've got dancers. You've got um, Dolph Lundgren try- looks baffled by electricity uh, in the US when he, he's, he comes up in a lift to the ring and you've got all these dancers and Dolph Lundgren's face is uh, acting 101 without a shadow of a doubt. Like, Rocky Four is so stupid. It's so over the top. But I love every shitty second of it. Rocky Four is my number four. So we're up to number three, Grace.
2: Oh, I changed my mind. I'm going to go with oh. the wrestler. Oh, yeah.
0: Another one that missed my. Well done. Yeah. I Grace. didn't even consider this, and it's a really good pick. But it's for some reason I hadn't even thought of it coming into the episode.
2: Well, I wasn't going to put it in because I was like, "Oh, it's a bit, it's a bit dreary, isn't it?" But it's, I, I, I was trying to think of movies that, like, good movies about wrestling and the only other film I could think of was Natural Libre and that's, like, super comedy. So, and about, like, and especially, like, kind of Oscar, uh, nom combat sport films as well, um, which are all around, like, like, um, Aronofsky is one of my favourite directors and Mickey Rourke's performance in that is great, Evan Rachel Wood is amazing and there's not a lot of wrestling in it, but it's, it's the, 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 the crescendo of the film is is so poignant and um yeah so that um, yeah putting it in my top five yeah, no it's, it's a great pick to be honest yeah. and mickey
1: rocks performance is just incredible yeah. in the wrestler like absolutely i, li- super. I really like
0: marissa to in that as well to Tomei. i don't know which way we're going on the pronunciation but yeah I, I think she's really good and it's one that i need to go back to because i don't think i've seen it since probably shortly after a release which was now some years ago what eight nine i don't know when did this come out the wrestler
2: I think it was
0: 2009 yeah so it sounds about yeah right. it would have been about that I think yeah yeah, yeah time flies really <laughs> yeah um so yes time waits for no man does it Paul uh that that segues beautifully then into my number three pick which is from very recently 2017 this is the film journeyman from Paddy Considine uh actor turned director really really great uh on the UK film scene and beyond um before this his feature debut was that movie um Tyrannosaur, Tyrannosaur. which is Oof. is this sort of uh domestic violence. Raging bull of a thing, it's an incredible. That, film. that, that yeah, is a tough, tough watch, but really, really great. And then in Journeyman, I mean, we talked about it on the show, Paul. When I when I caught up with this, but uh, the. I can't really pass between how much I think that this is a really good film on its own merits and how much it is that it just affects me on like a personal level because here we have the story of a a boxer who's sort of a, well, a journeyman as the title would suggest. He's he's had a a huge number of fights and he's taken a lot of hits to the head basically and he's developed uh, a brain injury as a result of a a particularly vicious knockout and it's his story of rehabilitation with his wife played by... Jodie Whittaker but the reason it resonates so profoundly for me is because my own dad growing up had a brain injury not brought on by boxing but by a a brain hemorrhage and I I mentioned this to you Paul when I talked about it but the sequence in which Paddy Considine's character is attempting uh, for the first time after the injury to make a cup of tea with yeah. uh, then calling it's his
1: such a good performance his wife in Patrick where Thompson he's
0: he's forgotten to do at least three of about four of the stages of making a cup of tea and and instead of reacting with humility he picks up the cup and chucks it against the wall and uh, it's sort of seething and raging and scary it it's not like a, a direct analog to my experience growing up but it really wasn't afraid to hone in on this thing about the way in which uh, brain injuries can leave such uh, almost like random and unpredictable consequences in not only the lives of the people who are injured themselves, but like the people all around them. So I think Paddy Considine is just this guy who gets it when it comes to the way that flawed human beings are flawed and the damage that they can do to one another and also that like the grace and the humility that they are capable of on on their better day. So I think Journeyman's really good. Whether I overrate it because of that personal interest, I don't know, but it doesn't really matter, does it? It's number three. On my list. Uh, Paul, what about you?
1: Uh, Weirdly enough, we mentioned it earlier and we started reviewing it when we were supposed to be reviewing the sequel. Uh, Creed uh, by Ryan Coogler from 2015. As I said and I'm sorry Grace when I say this because I saw your face drop, I think it's it's what all of the Rocky films should have been. Uh, I don't particularly rate the first Rocky very highly. I've, I think I've watched it four times now. And every time I watch it, I expect to like Rocky more than I do. I genuinely. And I'm like, every time I watch it, I'm like, maybe I've missed something the first time around. Maybe I've missed something. And it just, I, I think it's quite plodding. I don't think it's particularly interesting. I don't think it's that good a film. And I, I can see your face. I think you, I can see. you Just want you want to come back at me now, but yeah. But Creed for me is everything the Rocky series should have been. First time out, and as I said I love Michael B. Jordan. I love Tessa Thompson. Their chemistry here is incredible. Ryan Kugler has isn't is an awesome director. Um, and I just and also I think part of the reason I love Creed so much is because it completely blindsided me. I, I was expecting nothing from it, and yeah, it knocked me knocked me for six, it knocked me for six. So I'm sorry, Grace, because I can see your face now. I don't Is I it going to be like number 2 for Grace Rocky films. is Rocky 1? <laughs> or is that a... No.
2: No. No. <laughs> what have you got? <laughs> um my number 2 is Karate Kid. Nice.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a fine choice. It is a fine cho- choice. Can we be friends again now if I say I like Karate Kid is that okay? That's
2: fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, no I I um it's a it's a really it's a really stupid film but it's awesome and it's um one of the great films about a geeky kid who's finding his Um, his thing and what he's good at and overcoming bullies and winning the day. And um, Wax On, Wax Off is one of the greatest... TV, um, one of the greatest. Um, and Mr Miyagi
1: is second Mr. only to Yoda, I think. Second yeah, only to yeah. Yoda in terms of on-screen um, film mentors. Yeah,
2: um, I, I slipped in TV there because I was thinking about the YouTube series that's come out,
1: which I've seen a couple of episodes of, which was really good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it finished yet because yes, it wants me to subscribe, but yeah. I'm tempted to subscribe to finish it because what I've seen of it, yeah. was really quite good. Yeah, it's
2: <laughs> it's awesome, and um, yeah, you know, I'm not going to put the up uh, the, the sequels in my in my top five by all means, but they're they're a, they're a good laugh.
0: This this is um, if I'm not. <laughs> grossly mistaken a film that is also directed by john g alvidson who is the director of rocky one and five i believe
1: uh, wow, well done internet man
0: <laughs> thank you sir i have been uh, working towards the title internet man for some 114 episodes
1: and finally i'm there Finally you've won it. Pete, what's your number two? We're we at number two. We're at number two, aren't we? We Pete, are your number, number two,
0: two. So number two for me is a film from 1997 uh, that goes by the name of The Boxer. This is the basically the Daniel Day Lewis boxer movie. Is a, I've a, never seen this, the, and I can't, I really want to. The way to sum it up is from uh, director Jim Sheridan, and the thing is right. I've read a lot of commentary on this movie that says that um, it is dull and it's kind of like soap opera and it kind of drags on and it's not really interesting and people didn't... I, I find it hard to relate with that read on this if you invest anything into the situation that we're actually dropped into because this is all rooted in the troubles in Northern Ireland and you've got this guy, it played by Daniel Day-Lewis, who has gone to prison basically taking the rap for the IRA, doing his business i guess for the cause when he comes out he's not interested in that division within his community anymore and what's what he wants to do is be a force for good i guess as much as he can be within what is a, a very sort of explosive literally explosive environment and so he um starts training at this boxing gym and sort of training other fighters as well he's been away for like 14 years so he was a young man and now he's sort of mid 30s or something like that here and um all the while he's getting sort of pilloried for seeming to have turned his back on the cause that he was representing previously and the people that he was allied with previously but he tries in that sort of um a lot of the acting goes on sort of inside of Daniel Day-Lewis here it's a very like low-key performance for the most part um where he you can see his conflict but it's not it's not delivered through sort of clunky dialogue and that kind of thing and then he has this love affair with uh emily what the character played by emily watson who is already married she married his best friend when he went away for the time that he was away but they had this thing when they were like 18 19 years old before he was in prison and there's like this electric tension for me anyway between those two characters where they're like we can't be seen to be together for like a multitude of reasons, not least the fact that one of us is currently married, but all we want is to be together. So he says fairly, there's things that are going to sound overblown out of context, but at some point he says, like, I, I love you with all of my soul, what's left of it? Because it's like this guy being torn to pieces by constant violence and explosions and aggression. And And I think to finish talking about this movie, like, It does a really good job of, Jim Sheridan anyway, does a really good job of like weaving a load of complex themes into a story that could just be read as an underdog boxing movie. Um, And so, yeah, for that and a number of other reasons, I think it's really good. And it's number two. Um, I don't know who's next. Paul?
1: Me, I think. Uh, Number two for me is Martin Scorsese's Raging Bull from 1980. Um, a surprising number two. I thought it might have been my number one until I filmed my watch quite recently. So Pete might have an idea of where I'm going with this. Um, but yeah, Raging Bull. Um, Jake LaMotta is one of Robert De Niro's all-time greatest roles, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, the boxing in it, I said we, we, we mocked the, the boxing in Rocky, but if you look at the boxing in Raging Bull, it is scarily accurate, and he trained very, very hard to be to become a, a fairly accomplished boxer in this. And then the weight he puts on when on, on Jake, with Jake LaMotta going into his decline is incredible. It's an incredible example of methadone. Yeah, do, do you know, Paul, um, about
0: that, that uh, De Niro apparently took three amateur bouts in the time that he was training for the movie? Oh, really? Um, and no, and I he won two of three of them. And apparently wow. Jake, Jake LaMotta <laughs> himself said that he could have hung as like a... He, I think he called him one of the 40 best in his weight class at the time. But I think he might have been oh, wow. blowing okay. smoke up his ass a little yeah, bit at yeah. that
1: point. But still, he took amateur fights, that's, that's saying something. So yeah, just in, incredibly, you know, what's not been said about Rage and Bull, in fairness, just an incredible piece of filmmaking. Um, I haven't seen it for quite a long time, in fairness, but it, it does stick with you, and it is, yeah, one of the all-time great Scorsese-De uh, Niro collaborations, without a shadow of a doubt, and yes, and, and De Niro in this absolute peak of his powers as an actor just just an incredible inc- incredible film full stop just a, a really really good film um arguably more of a character study than it is a sports movie but i, I think it for me it ticks both boxes hence why it's and, on this list so.
0: t- sorry paul talking of that preparation so you've got uh, de niro taking amateur fights william holden for the movie that i described uh, golden boy number four for me uh, trained two weeks it says he trained two weeks non stop. It's things have changed. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> wh- what do you think Daniel Day Lewis did in preparation for the boxer? More than two uh, weeks or less?
1: I would say Daniel Day Lewis probably um was boxing for seven years. Uh, you're not he... you're not
0: far off. He, <laughs> he apparently he did three years of intensive boxing you know. training for for that movie. <laughs>
1: Anyway, uh, that brings well, He's got very little... He, I mean, yeah, he is yeah. only acting, so he's got, he has got. may as well learn all these new skills. Yeah, right. He's got a little else to do with his time, so it's not that much of an accomplishment, really. Yeah, <laughs> fucking. Uh So we're, we're up yeah, to
0: the him. heady heights of, of number one, the knockout <laughs> blow. Uh, Grace, what have you got right at the
1: top of this tower?
2: It is rocky, though, isn't it? Oh,
1: boom. It is rocky, though. <laughs> Why but is it rocky? Come on.
2: Because, okay, um, first of all, you've got this backdrop of this kind of, like um poor area of uh Philadelphia and everyone's just trying to get by doing what they what they've got to do and people think life's tough for them and Rocky's there and you know he's a bit simple and and loads of people of loads of characters are based on Rocky Rocky is the the simple lovable Fighting guy, and um, people are telling him he's not gonna make it. He's not. He's 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 just gonna. He's done. He's and then he meets Adrian, and their love is just. Adrian. Oh my god, she's <laughs> she's this nervous introvert, geeky girl, and then they find each other, and she blossoms, and their love is so pure and beautiful. And then and then he gets better and better, just like a, a chance, just out of chance, he gets picked to fight Apollo Creed, and. It's just, it's such a good movie. You've
1: made it sound like the film that I wanted it to be when I was watching it. But it it.
2: (laughs) is. And, and, you know, and yeah, you can say like, "Oh, oh, the dialogue's a bit, like, Rocky's a bit Rubbish as a character, but he's not though. And yes, Sylvester. It's not Sylvester's fault that he's got a bit of a paralysed face, is it? That's how he was born, and he's doing the best. No one, we didn't got.
1: have a. I didn't have a puppet. Sylvester's paralysed face. I just said I thought the. I didn't feel the film was that good. I it's think you've come movie. in, and he's capable of defending his own paralysed face. I didn't have a puppet that
2: are amazing. I mean, I, who doesn't run up steps now and then jump at the top? Well, it's in Creed
0: yeah. 2 as well. In, in Creed yeah, 2. Yeah, they so go up good, the same it? steps. But yes. in Creed 2, they have in the background a member of the public doing the Rocky yeah. thing at the top of the steps.
2: Yeah, yeah and you're just like...
0: It's an iconic film, without a
1: doubt. It's it's an iconic film and it's a sound pick. And
2: Adrian and Rocky's love story is... But, Grace, this is
0: fascinating. This is fascinating. Your take specifically... Forget about the movie, because I (laughs) I totally understand why people love this, this movie a lot. And I liked it, I enjoyed it, but... I'm, I'm fascinated by the take that it's this beautiful love story let's just remind ourselves what happens here so Adrian's brother is both both like emotionally and uh, like physically abusive he takes the dinner yeah. that she's made for Thanksgiving and throws it out the window then yeah. Rocky's in the He's house she's kind of forced to go on a date with him then she wants yeah. to leave the ice rink but he says no we're going on the ice rink then she wants to not yeah. go in his house and he said no you are basically got to come yeah. in my house and then when she yeah. wants to leave the house he physically blocks her way from leaving the house it's like a date rape help.
2: Ha- no it's awful no no, no he loves us so much and he's just like don't you understand Adrian? you're just so wonderful stop being like this stop being so self-conscious and so unhappy with yourself i love you but he's unhappy with himself you. and together they find each other and they're like oh we're both we're really great we're both so great together she takes off, her glasses. Now, she takes off oh, her glasses you know it's love when she takes she off her finally glasses see. <laughs> and but kiss the dog such good dog acting in that movie ah
1: oh. i' with I'm with Pete I, I like it enough i I understand why. I understand. I think I understand. No, I don't understand why why people like it so much. Because I I think Rocky Four is much more fun than Rocky. I it found is. Rocky quite drab. It's just less modern times um, than Rocky
2: One. But like I
1: like I get like, I I get what is an iconic character, and you know it spawned Creed, and I'll, I'll always be thankful for it. But I just I can't bring myself to love the first Rocky film. Four times I've seen it, and every time I think in a minute I'll be like, yeah, this is five stars. I can't can't do it, Grace. I'm sorry. Sorry. Right. I mean, I hope you come back on the show. I hope this isn't enough. <laughs> I hope this isn't enough to, to to put you off doing a show with us ever again but I just can't <laughs> I can't, changed my mind, my I can't bring myself to, no, I can't um, bring myself to love in the first rocky to
2: be honest. Did
0: they realize the sort of uh, awkward irony of the fact that a, a lonely single man who's sexually frustrated literally beats his own meat in that movie as well because it didn't pass <laughs> me by. <laughs> He's
2: just making it tender for the for Philadelphia, you know, it's just an extra. He's he's giving it the tenderness yourself.
0: that he doesn't have in his own heart. It's yeah, actually a beautiful exactly. metaphor.
1: But 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 but, but 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 right. I've got to interrupt here because Pete. I think yep. we've got the same number one. No, we don't. Am I? Am I we don't. No, we okay. don't. Okay, well, Pete, you go first. then. You're okay, so uh,
0: little disclaimer: I had a strong feeling but that you cheated. that you might enjoy a particular film, so I didn't put it on my list, partly for that okay. reason because I thought it would mix things up. So, anyway, number one for me uh, on merit is a film you've already talked about, Paul. It's uh, Scorsese's *Raging Bull*. I actually think that of you know your general film fan. I'm not anything like as high on Martin Scorsese as like a lot of people. Because oftentimes when you meet people who are into films, you have to straight away get into talking about how great everything Scorsese does and has done is. And I don't really agree with that. But this film is, to me, Scorsese's best movie. And it's not limited to, but mainly because it's just an amazing study of uh, like fucked like broken masculinity like a guy who yeah, who ultimately hates himself but the only way that he knows to express like the hatred he has for himself and the way that he can't express any of his feelings is just lashing out all over the place So lashing out in the ring but then lashing out outside the ring and at everyone around him they use that uh, on the waterfront sequence at the end the, the speech anyway when he's realizing in front of the mirror that it was never his brother it was actually him because of his whole paranoia about how everyone's trying to have sex with his woman whatever like th- yeah th- I talked earlier on briefly about that Paddy Considine move, uh, movie Tyrannosaur and I think there's a lot in common between the two of them really where you've got oh, for sure. yeah, all yeah, this absolutely. external violence because all that you can't do is just say like I need some help or I need some support or I need somebody to listen to me and I'm going to try and explain how I'm feeling and so yeah maybe that's like a really snowflakey opinion but I think that um, Scorsese does this amazing job of of making that all incredibly visceral like the black and white with all the snot and phlegm and blood and stuff in this thing. Like, it just all worked for me. And it and it's a film that I found in the same way, kind of, as Tyrannosaur. I found it hard to watch whilst it was on, but then it's always stuck with me. And I, I think I've only gone back to it maybe once or twice. But, yeah, it's, it's just a really hard hitter, uh, you know, forgive the pun or whatever. But, yeah, I think Raging Bull's great, and that's why it's at number one. Paul,
1: I think I know your pick, but please tell... <laughs> I think you may know my pick. I only watched this last night, Pete, for the first time. Uh, And why I didn't watch this sooner, I don't know. Maybe it was... No, in fact, I know why I didn't watch it sooner. Because a film about UFC that I thought was a bit chavvy for a while. And then I watched some with you and I was wrong. It's an incredible spectator sport. And the people that do it, it, it's just it's just an absolute feat of of athleticism to watch like incredible to watch. Uh, so there's that reason. Also it was directed by the man that brought us the absolute heap of shit that was the accountant. So I was just like nope, not really not really on board with this. And then I sat down last night and watched Warrior. Oh my word. Is that a good film? Oh, it's great. I have never but sat in front of a 2 hour 20 minute film that felt like it was that felt like 25 minutes had passed by. It is just it's just like, yeah, maybe if I watch *Raging Bull* more recently, maybe *Raging Bull* would come out on top of this. Maybe it would, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. This is as generic as they come. It doesn't matter. It's like generic. Like generic films exist for a reason. Generic tropes exist for a reason. There is there is nothing wrong. In a film that embraces all of those generic tropes and just does it this well, that like just everything about it is great. The mischievous Tom Hardy's character, you've got, and then you've got uh, Joel Edgerton playing the physics teacher that used to be a UFC fighter. And you're like, somehow that's ridiculous. And then there's, the, and the fact that they turn out there's there's a link between the men that they don't real that the the audience doesn't realize until later on in the film. And the actual fight scenes. I was reading a bit into the fight scenes. Now I've watched some UFC with you, Pete and you know this better than me, but oh my God, like Tom Hardy and Joel Edelman definitely fought in that ring without a shadow of a doubt. They were fighting in this film and you can tell. And again, I suppose it harks back to the the legitimacy of of Robert De Niro and Raging Bull and actually them training to do the fighting. And also, I like the fact as well, and I think we've talked about this, Pete, um, and you feel free to wade in here because you're a much bigger UFC fan than I am without a shadow of a doubt. But in the same way, it it, it makes an effort to legitimise that sport as well, I think, um, at a time where it probably wasn't as respected as it is now, if you know what I mean. Like you've got you've got Joel Edgerton's physics teacher being cheered on by his cool kids in the car park, and his headmaster who has to suspend him for doing for having like cage fighting in a strip club. And he was like, "You're a teacher, you can't cage fight in a strip club. I have to suspend you." And then he looks at him and he's like, "But oh my god, you were in UFC, yeah?" And that they get behind him. Pete, why in this one? because yeah, I know well, you're a big fan of this film as well.
0: But- well, yeah, I mean, and contrast that with, I suppose, something I talked about ages ago on our show, which was that really like sneering reference to the the early days of the UFC. In- in Fox Catcher. Um, yes, yeah, which uh, if you great. if you recall, yeah. when they sort of... Yes. It's like your life's gone to absolute shit, so you might have to just, like, sell your soul and, and join this organisation. Um, you know, people are open to have other opinions, but I think that that didn't really give a fair characterization. Um Also, it's interesting to know there's, there's a fighter, actually, um, Rich Franklin, who doesn't fight anymore, but was a maths teacher who then left the classroom and became a, a fighter. So there, like, are stories that are kind of ish similar to what right. goes on in Warrior. But, um, yeah, no, I just thought, like... There are there have been a glut of MMA movies made over the last ten years since it's sort of become a bit more um, not mainstream but just sort of a bit more widely known and a bit more popular and most of them are just garbage and the only reason you'd watch them is because you recognise the cameos and that's it. It's like you know people from from various organisations, but this thing actually managed to make the sport compelling without it just being like yeah blood sport.
1: Not just that, it's just it's just pure entertainment from. Start to finish it it put me in an arm it put me in an arm bar a rear naked choke lock and a triangle all at the same time I was on my phone earlier looking those moves up (laughs) just for you Pete but um yeah it's just pure entertainment and 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 I'll go back to what I said it's two hours 20 minutes and it feels like it's 40 minutes Grace have you seen this I haven't oh you are genuinely missing out it's again it's it's just generic as they come it's shamelessly generic as kind of like a sports film you've got your your character that's seeking redemption like all this kind of all those cliches are in there, mm. but it's just so well put together and so well paced. I just, it, honest, honestly, it, it not, it not. I, I said that Creed delivered a left hook. This knocked me out last night. To be honest, I was just like, I literally, I finished it, and I was like, my wife, I said to my wife, I was like, fucking Watch Warrior. You've got to Watch Warrior. Definitely Watch Warrior. Just just man just bloom floored me absolutely so, incredible so film. paul um we already know that i've had
0: a massively
1: successful mma
0: career that lasted a total of six classes in which i managed to break <laughs> my hand and two ribs so are we this is true are yeah. we this gonna see true. paul anderson in the ring at some point
1: oh for sure no doubt <laughs> no doubt i reckon i could t- tom hardy's character in this he's rubbish at fighting he uh, he takes too much time see i could you see Tom Hardy, the way Tom Hardy goes into the ring and destroys his opponent pretty quickly, I could do the same thing in half the time.
0: Well, there we go then. Gauntlet has been thrown down. That's going to happen. <laughs> Watch this face. It's an open challenge. That's...
1: I, tried, I challenged Mayweather to a fight at your wedding, drunkenly, and he didn't get back to me. Yeah, so, that was a shocker. Know, I'm, I'm game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that concludes our top 5 countdowns. I will of course throw up those countdowns on the social medias and stuff so that people can tell us how wrong or right we are or, or whatever or how how I've got like ridiculous snowflake attitudes towards Raging Bull and or Adrian's relationship with Rocky, etc.
1: But um before we Grace looks sad again. Now. <laughs> I think Grace, Grace looks Grace looks sad that we don't know much like you, Rocky did not even not a single Rocky film went into your top 5, Pete.
0: No it didn't. It didn't. But I think one of them yeah rocky one was like number nine so is that good uh, okay fine <laughs> it's the only one i've seen though to be fair so maybe like all the other ones are going to creep rocky in there four. as well um but yeah before uh dolf lundgren throws in the towel for this episode have we got anything else we need to squeeze in before uh before that happens
1: well i don't think so no in all honesty i think obviously um check out grace's film grace's award-winning film <laughs> Uh, yeah. Where can where can people find it?
2: Um, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com forward slash the Grizzle Fizzle, um, and um, yeah, it's it's available for you to watch. Uh, yeah, award winning, which is quite cool. I have crests and everything.
1: And if if you want to follow the work me and Pete have done this week, you can see what films we've watched on Instagram generally. It's not quite the same as making a film when we're in an award, but I think it's close. Do it. Uh, Absolutely. And as we've tried to
0: do recently, Paul, I'm looking at stuff that's coming out in the week ahead, and I think it's probably going to be next week. Either Tulip Fever or Sorry to Bother You, um, both of which release over the weekend on general release. I know that you bleeding edge of the film world fan that you are have already seen Sorry to Bother You, but um, we can cycle back to that if we see fit.
1: It's incredible. Uh, So I'd be more than happy to revisit Sorry to Bother You on the next, the final, however many episodes you please to talk about it on, that would be absolutely fine. Or we've got Ralph Breaks the Internet is another potential one um, if we want to go a bit more mainstream. Uh, nope, Pete's shaking his head. Not Rough Breaks the Internet. We're not doing that. Uh, or Robin Hood. Nope no I, definitely not uh, Robin Hood uh, not, I've got I've got not, to tell I've just got to that. tell this tiny tiny anecdote about
0: Robin Hood right which is not connected to anything on this episode so I went for dinner the other night and uh, in the, the place that we went uh, there's sort of like those long benches you know so you're really sitting up close and cosy with people that you don't know and the couple next to us from beginning to end of the meal just fucking insufferable and um, just complaining <laughs> about everything like saying like oh it's an absolute joke we've waited 10 minutes we haven't even got our starters all that kind of thing and then they they did a film review to the waiting staff towards the end completely unprompted right. and it was because they'd gone on a date to see Robin Hood and the guy couldn't right. stop saying the word superb so he was just like oh it's superb but the way it's written is superb this this adaptation is
2: superb I'm not buying that Robin and, Hood is superb and so well, and then I, I
0: jumped online and, and saw that Metacritic's average I think at the moment is like 32 or something like that and it's not saying that like they're wrong and Metacritic's right but I think they they've are wrong
1: what they've done is they've, re, they've reclaimed the word superb and changed it to mean something completely different. Maybe, maybe so. But yeah, we might have done similar if we don't get out of here soon.
0: Uh, we have also social medias. Yeah. Instagram, Facebook, and uh, strangers in cinema at gmail.com. Send in like questions and stuff, yeah? Because then we'll have other things to talk about we won't make up like impromptu games. Well soon. tell us
1: if you really want us if you really want us to review Ralph Breaks the internet, then tell us because Pete doesn't want to do it, so that'd be quite fun to make him watch it, listeners. If you want to yeah, make him watch yeah, it, sure. we'll do sure, it. Sure, do that. Do that. I'm starting to feel a bit sick though, so it might get worse by the time uh, we record well, well thank time. you thank you to Grace. Thanks for joining us oh, again.
2: Thanks for
1: having me. No worries. We're sorry it's we didn't love joy. Rocky. We hope you come back and see us again, even though the fact we didn't like Rocky that much. I am oh, sorry about that. I
2: don't know. But being it's tough.
0: being the underdog it's tough. against insurmountable odds—surely that's the perfect way in which to be a fan of Rocky. I would that is imagine. true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, before we just jabber on some more uh, and enjoy ourselves further, uh, we're out. Uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. Shut
0: up and sit down. And sit down.